Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of This Is Important. I am your host, Heather. <laughs> um, I am currently on my nightly walk. Um, I've just been thinking about a lot of stuff in my head, and I've been really wanting to make another episode. I'm in the mode. <laughs> and um, I've been walking every single night for about like 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and I thought this is like a good time to make an episode. So here we are. I hope everybody is having a good day or night, whatever you're doing. Um, I hope that you're doing it with intention and that your week is just going amazing. So I was cleaning a house today and I was listening back to some of my older episodes, um, from like the very beginning when... I made the episodes about forgiveness with my mom, um, and we talked about her and my dad's relationship um, with, like, co-parenting and forgiveness and, like, healthy boundaries, and it just really got me thinking about how my life was. It's crazy that that was, like, two years ago almost that I made that, you know, episode that my whole life kind of shifted in a really big way. Um, I never really on that podcast talked about what really went down with my mental health two years ago um, before I started the podcast. I just briefly mentioned that I had went through a hardship. I went through a really bad breakup. Um, it really hurt and I was just like in a bad mental state but I never really said and spoke about what happened. Um, and now that we are almost to Valentine's Day, which is crazy, um, Valentine's Day is next week, I've noticed every Valentine's Day, not only did I leave my past partner on Valentine's Day, um, we split up on that day two years ago, I also noticed like around this time, People are either really in love or they're ending stuff. Um, sorry, I'm on a walk, so you're going to hear some cars go by. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I'm just noticing either people are really in love or they're just coming out of a relationship or something that they have been through for a very long time and their life is shifting as well and... I've actually gotten a few like messages recently about people leaving relationships, like long-term relationships. And I've had a few people reach out to me and say, hey, I know that you went through like a really rough time. How did you get through it? Like, what did you do to get yourself back in the mode of independence or like doing your own thing and getting into like, you know, habitual like habits and like really healthy methods and coping skills. Like how did you get yourself to that point to where you were good alone again? Like you were happy single and you were like, okay with whatever, whatever happens. Like, how did you get yourself to that? how did you see the light on like the, at the end of the tunnel basically. And it's really difficult because when you're not going through it, and you're looking back about how you handled situations, it's really hard to put yourself back in that feeling and really give someone like the greatest advice because you're not currently going through it. So you can't 
remember exactly how you felt, exactly what you did. And with a lot of trauma, you tend to block it out. So the advice that you give might not be exactly accurate because your brain kind of blocks some of it out. And that's why I made the podcast to begin with is because I wanted to talk about it exactly when I was going through it so that somebody else who is going through very similar situation has something to reflect back on and like listen to somebody who's like actually going through the midst of it like so that they have somebody to relate to because when you go to a friend that has gone through something but is not currently going through it you're going to get a different mindset and like set of advice than you would from somebody who's currently going through it and I know it sounds crazy but misery loves company So calling your friend that's like happy and content in her life while you're going through it sometimes sucks. Sometimes you just want to hear someone else who's going through it and how they're handling it. And that's why I made the podcast. You know, I wanted other people to feel comforted, um, to feel like they had somebody to like talk to or not even talk to because, you know, just me talking can't, I can't respond back to you. But just feel comforted by the words of someone else who's going through almost the same thing you are or something similar or even maybe if it's not a similar situation it's the same kind of premises like the same deal with emotions and feelings um yeah I just wanted something someone can relate to and I had um a good friend of mine from like middle school message me today that they broke up they split with their past partner of like five years and they asked me like How did you get through it? And I explained to them, like, what I had to do. It was with forgiveness. I had to be with myself. I had to let the hurt happen, and then I had to deal with it, and I had to not play like the victim. You know, like, I had to actually take ownership to some of the things that I had a part of and then really work on it and then forgive was, like, my big step to healing. It's, like, forgiving the person and not necessarily telling them that I forgive them, but just forgiving them for myself so that I'm not carrying this burden around of like hate because I'd rather love someone than hate someone. It feels much better. It's more easy to flow with. Um, You're not carrying like this brick of emotions around. And I basically was telling them how, you know, I, what I did. and, And then I sent them a link to my episode on forgiveness with my mom And I said, you know, listen to this. I think that you would really like this. I can't tell you exactly what I went through right now because I'm at a good state in my, like a good point in my life and it's not going to be what you're really looking for. But I made a podcast episode and multiple of them when I was like going through it. And I think this will help you and send it to him. And he was just like, how, how, why do you take on the, he, he goes, why do you take on the burdens of other people's problems like why do you do that why do you choose to do that and I just said I just feel like I don't know I feel that I wanted somebody to comfort me and be there for me when I was going through it and it's hard when all your friends are really happy you don't want to turn to them and make them feel you're supposed to be this bright light you know I'm Heather I'm like this bright light and I'm like a sunflower. My nickname's Sunny. And like, I'm supposed to be this ray of sunshine. But like, what happens when like my sun doesn't shine? Like what happens when it's like cloudy and like dark? 
where do I go? Because everybody usually turns to me for the light. So how do, how do I tell somebody that I'm not the light? Like, how do I go about finding like relief? Like, who do I talk to? So kind of recluse because I didn't have anybody to talk to. And like, I didn't find a lot of podcasts that were super helpful or like I would read self-help books, but it wasn't what I needed. Like what I needed is just somebody to say like, listen, I know it's fucking hard. I feel you. This is what I'm going through. You're not alone. And I just feel like my purpose on earth is to comfort other people. I feel like I am for the most part a light when I'm feeling really good. You know, I have my moments. I'm a human. We all have our moments. But I feel that my purpose and my calling is to comfort others and make them feel less alone. Um, Show them that, like, everybody's human and you can still do all these really cool things, but also have sides to you that are vulnerable and that you hurt and you go through things. Like, I just think it's really important in today's society to show people that it's not all glitz and glam. Like, you got mud and dirt and guts and gore like but how to balance it kind of I feel like I do a pretty good job about like balancing it for the most part you know I have my faults but yeah I feel like my purpose is to just be there for other people and comfort them and that's what I told and he was just like that's that's really nice like of you to do that and you know we went into more conversation it just got me thinking like it's about to be Valentine's Day next week and there's just so many mixed emotions coming with it. There's people that want to get in relationships, so they're, like, rushing into things. There's people, like, dating. There's people that are breaking up because they're realizing that they're not getting the love and affection that they need or, like, their needs aren't being met and it's just not no longer working. I just feel like there's a lot of mixed emotions right now. And, yeah, I wanted to basically hop on here and – just talk about like where I was two years ago on Valentine's Day or around that time what my life looked like how I felt and like reflect kind of what I went through because I don't think that I've really ever went into detail about what happened and I'm a pretty um I'm a pretty open book (laughs) And my friend today said that too. He's like, you're pretty public with your life. And, you know, I don't really, I'm not a private person. I don't really have a lot of private things. And that, you know, can be taken either way, like either really good or really bad. Both, it's bittersweet. Um, You know, I don't hide things. I don't really have many secrets. If someone asks me a question, I usually answer pretty honestly. And I just don't have things to hide. Um, And I like to be public with a lot of stuff because like I said, I feel like my purpose here is to make other people feel comfortable and comforted and safe, like a safe space. And you know, if that's my, that's my purpose and I don't really, I don't have a lot to hide. I have to, I, I like to be relatable. So I take my experiences, whether they're good or bad, and I turn them into relatable experiences and lessons so that I can help others not go through the same thing or tell them, hey, I did this, this, and this, and it really helped, like, 
you're learning or your path may be different, but like maybe take a peek at how I did it and maybe you can take bits and pieces from it or maybe you take the whole thing and you run with it and it works for you. Um, yeah, I feel like that's my purpose is to just, you know, move with intention and like even if I make mistakes, I'm, I'm not hiding them. I'm a human. Why? <laughs> I don't have to, I don't really have anything to hide, you know? So... Yeah, two years ago. <laughs> crazy, crazy. And most of you know, because um, I talked about it on my pod, one of the podcast episodes, um, I'm actually now friends with my past partner and his girlfriend. And if you asked me two years ago, after we split up, if I could even look him in the face or talk to him or be in the same room as him, I would just get the feeling of puking. (laughs) I could not imagine myself being friends with him, talking to him, anything. My heart was so hurt. I felt the lowest of low. Um, Yeah, I was really, I was at a really vulnerable place. Um, It was rough. It was really, really rough say the least. (laughs) Thankfully, I'm all healed now. Um, I take it as a lesson learned. I take bits and pieces of it. Um, Sorry, there's another car. (laughs) I take it and I just use the things that I went through to set me on the correct path that I need to be on. And I genuinely feel like, like I said, I move with intention and I feel like I'm on the right path. And the universe always has my back. It always knows what I need and what I don't need, and they'll show me. And sometimes it's really fucking rough. <laughs> um, and I feel like that was one of those things, as it put me where I needed to be. Um, my past partner was brought into my life when I needed it, um, when I needed him, and then taken out when I didn't, and shown what what I want and what I don't want, and what I need and what I don't need. And um, It was rough. It was really, really rough. We split and tried to be cordial um, in the beginning. And it was really good. We were pretty cordial. I mean, we had went out. We had like a divorce breakfast. You know, we laughed. Helped me move my things out. Um, And then things went down and it wasn't very good. And my mental health took a turn. Um really, really quick. My feelings got hurt. I felt really alone. I felt really confused because you go from being with someone um, for three and a half years, they're all your, all you know. I mean, like they're your home. You know, you live with them, you eat with them, you do things with them and their family, you spend all this time with them. Your life, you, I mean, when you're with a partner for so long, you become one. Like your life becomes one. And yes, it's really important and healthy to have your own space and your own things that you do. But ultimately, you're joining together. <laughs> you're doing a lot of these things together. When you live with someone, you do everything together. <laughs> and I mean, that's how it is with me and Heather. We live together now and we do, we do so much together. We are a partnership. Like we are one. Like it's like a bond, you know? And when you have that bond for like three and a half years and then all of a sudden you're expected to just stop it, 
and do something else. It's really hard to figure that out. It's really hard to understand what your purpose is without that person. And I know it sounds crazy and toxic. And I mean, it was, (laughs) I ended up becoming reliant on them. Um, I ended up being like to the point, I think I spoke about this before on the podcast where I was such an independent person before meeting my past partner. And then it got to the point where I remember having anxiety about going to Walmart without them. Like I would specifically wait for them to get off of work to go grocery shopping with them. And it's not because I didn't have the money. It's not because I needed them to drive me or for anything, except for I felt anxiety going and doing something without them. And that's completely me. I got reliant on them. I put myself in that position. I did that. And, you know, I ended up not having a lot of hobbies. I ended up taking on their hobbies as my own hobbies. And there just wasn't too much that I did for myself on my own. I mean, like I went to music festivals, but I mean, I didn't have too much that I did without them. And I became very reliant. So when all of a sudden that is taken away and you are expected to just start living your own life again, that can be very hard. (laughs) And some of you listening to this are probably like, yeah, girl, I fucking know. Like, that is, I've been there, done that. It's difficult. Maybe you're going through it right now where you're like, what the fuck do I do with my life? Like, I just was with this person. Even if you're not even with them for like, even if you're just with them for a couple of months, it, it, it is so easy to get caught up and lose sight of what it is that you love to do and what your purpose is and to like, get entangled with someone else's and lose sight of your own. I mean, it doesn't take three and a half years for that to happen. Sometimes it takes months, just a couple months. I remember being with people in the past that I was only with for two months and it felt like I was with them for years. Like, and it's crazy. Time is just so, time is an illusion. It really is. I know it sounds corny, but it it really is. And yeah, I basically for three and a half years did all this stuff with this person and then all of a sudden it's like oh you got to move out and you have to do your own thing and you're like what is my own thing like what is it that Heather likes to do what does she even what does she do I had no idea and I had to figure that out very quickly and it felt impossible you guys like it, it felt impossible to figure that out And on top of that, to know that your partner is immediately seeing someone else is really difficult, too, because you're expected to get over them um, and move on when it's still very fresh. And then on top of that, they immediately move on. Um, That's really hard to do to figure out all this stuff while trying to get over someone who's already over you. Um, It's really difficult. And it got really dark really quick. I had some stuff in my personal life as well, like me and my mom. Um, We weren't on really good terms and we weren't really talking for a while. And so I felt that I lacked that. And, you know, my mom's my best friend, and 
for so long such a like my best friend and then to not talk to your best friend for so long and then to go through this rough stuff and you want to turn to your best friend like you, you can't and then you want to talk to you, you feel like you need to turn to somebody but you don't want to turn to anybody because you are such a bright light you know and then on top of that I had like some major things with some customers like I have this one customer named Donald who's older and his mental health like took or his you know his mental health physical health everything took a plummet like at the same time as me going through all of this and he's my best friend as well like I go out to eat with him like I before clean for him every week and now I go out to eat with him I take him out to eat every week and when he's like he's like my best friend and like to know that like he might not make it. it. I mean, it was hard. And then I had another client as well on the same route. They were there. They were older and their mental health was declining. So watching both of them at the same time, going through that with my mom and then going through that with my past partner all at once felt so overwhelming. I didn't see any light. Like I really didn't. I didn't see any light. And sometimes when you are such a bright light, you attract the dark you attract some dark dark shit um you attract people that have problems and really need help and like i said it's my purpose to be there and comfort people but when you too are dark and you don't have light to give and another dark like more darkness comes your way it's hard to find your way out and see any light so i mean if you take all of these things and you combine them, I was on the struggle bus. Um, and I just remember it hitting all one night. And this is where we're going to get deep, get very personal. Um, it hit really hard one night. And I remember getting in my car and really i had no idea who to call i didn't i i didn't want to call anybody um i felt really tired like i not only like emotionally but physically too like i hadn't i remember i hadn't slept in like three days more than five hours i mean it was something ridiculous and i was just so mentally physically emotionally exhausted that I didn't even have the words to tell somebody how I was feeling. Like, I couldn't even describe it. So how was I expected to call someone and tell them how I was feeling and try to talk to someone when, like, I literally, the words would just not come out? Um, I was so depleted. I just felt like I had been get, gotten hit by a car. Like, I just felt I hurt. My body ached. Like, everything just hurt. Mentally, physically, emotionally, everything hurt. Um, I was at like my wit's end. It was really, really dark and I have never felt that dark in my life. Um, I've struggled with depression when I was younger because I, I have ADHD and I was medicated and the side effects were really, really harsh. Um, my, gro my, I, my growth was stunted. Um, I had some good growth. Um, like I couldn't gain weight when I was younger, um, no appetite. I was really depressed. So I had felt darkness before, but this was like a whole nother version of darkness.
this was like real fucking dark. And I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I didn't know how to continue to go on. I didn't know how, I didn't, I couldn't even figure out how I was going to like, I didn't even know where to go to bed at because I wasn't living with my past partner at the time. I mean, I was quickly, quickly had to move out. Um, I moved into my dad's van and, you know, I had always wanted to do van life, but like, not like this, not when I'm depressed, not when I'm emotionally hurt, not when I feeling the lowest of low and the loneliest of loneliest. Um, so going in and sleeping in a van by yourself and not being comforted by any friends or family, I completely isolated myself. And I, I just knew that I was going to go back in this van and go to bed and like wake up and have to deal with life. And I just didn't like my life. I, I really despised my life at that point. Um, I felt like my purpose was lost because how, I mean, my purpose is being a light. My pur purpose is providing comfort and shelter and safety for other people. And if I can't even, if I can't even do that for myself, like how am I supposed to do that for others? So I felt done, donezo. Like I felt done. Um, I got in the car and I said, well, like, I guess this is what it feels like to like, it feels like death. Um, I got suicidal and I started having all these thoughts and it's crazy because I'm a dreamer. I have all these dreams and these goals and aspirations. Like I have all these things that I look forward to. And it was weird because I couldn't even see my next day. I couldn't even think about what I wanted to eat for breakfast. I couldn't even think about what I wanted to wear. I couldn't even, I, I just couldn't think of anything. I was like total darkness. There was nothing, there was nothing on the other side. And that was really unlike me. I was, I was scared, I was hurt. And then I made up my mind and I was calm and I got my car and I decided this is it. I'm going to take my life. So I got in the car and I called two people. I called my best friend, Olivia, and I called her and I said, hey, listen, I made a decision and I, I can't talk to you about it. I can't. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not calling you for any sort of like, I'm not, I'm not calling to burden you. I don't want to put anything on you, but I need somebody to know what I want to happen with my assets. <laughs> and she has my godchildren and they're like one of the most important things in my life. Um, and I just said, I said, I want, I want my savings to go to them for like college um, I want it to go towards you to make sure that you can give them the life that they need and deserve. Um, I want you to live comfortably and I want you to tell my mom that I love her and I forgive whatever we've been through and I don't want her to blame herself. I don't want any hurt. 
and I said, I love you so much. I I don't know what to say. I've never done this before, but I love you, and this is what I want to happen. And you guys, like, when you put that on someone, I have never heard someone be more terrified in my life. Um, she was absolutely distraught. Imagine calling your absolute best friend in the whole world and telling them that you're going to kill yourself and there's nothing they can do to stop you. And what do you do with that? You know, what, what do you do? What do you say? Uh, especially because you're like such a bubbly person, like your, your best friend's such a bubbly person. You've never heard them talk like this before. And it's just out of the blue, super late at night, like midnight, like who, what do you, what do you do? What do you do? She, I've never heard her. I've never heard anybody, um, react in that way. Um, and she was distraught and she didn't know what to do. And I didn't expect her to know what to do. I didn't want her to do anything. (sighs) And I let her go. And then I called my dad and I told him, cause I mean, me and my dad, we've had a rough past when I was growing up. We weren't very close. Um, but over the recent years I've forgiven him and we, I've made healthy boundaries with him and we are just so close and bonded and we have such a beautiful relationship. Um, I basically called him and I let him know what was going on and I just told him that I loved him and that there, I couldn't have been more thankful for the way things turned out with us. And I, I just want him to think of all the good times that we had and nothing about the bad because I am leaving with the memories of us being super good together like us being best friends and like doing things together and hanging out and taking time for each other like I wanted him to just think about that as well and I didn't want him to ever think anything of it had to do with him and that was it those are the two people that I chose to call on that day and I just called my best friend to tell her what I wanted to be done with my finances and I called my dad to tell him that I love him and I forgave him a a long time ago and nothing has to do with him. And that was it. And so I thought the best way to do it was to leave no trace um, or at least like the least amount of trace that my family would have to deal with. Um, I didn't want it to be messy. I I wanted it to be quick. I wanted it to be, um, I, yeah. And so I ended up driving myself to the Skyway Bridge and I went to the very top and it was like midnight, it was dark. There wasn't a lot of people going over the Skyway and I parked my car and this is before there was a fence. Um, It was all open and I parked my car, I got out of the car and I walked over to the edge and I sat on the edge or like leaned over the edge and I just sat there with my life and like contemplated everything. I wanted to make sure that it was like my final decision that I had 
really thought this through and that this was it. And if I do this, there's no turning back. And I just sat there and I sat there and I sat there and it felt like an eternity and it would, it had only been a couple of minutes and I went to jump and the cops pulled up and got me and I didn't, I didn't, you know, make, I didn't make it up there to jump. I didn't make it in time. I was still contemplating and they pulled up and they got out. Um, there was one guy and he came and he got me and he um, put me in the back of the cop car and I was so silent. Um, I didn't know what to say. I was embarrassed, but at the same time, I like wasn't because I like just didn't, it was weird. It was like I was out of my body. It was like my body was in the back of the cop car, but like my soul was gone. Like I had no soul. Like it was just sucked right out of me that night. And I remember him trying to talk to me and I just was like, dude, I like can't even, I can't even, I don't have words. Like I, I couldn't even respond to him. And so he had gotten contacted by my mom because my best friend called my mom and my mom, he drove us to the other side of the skyway and my mom met us. My mom had gotten my car and drove it to her house so that it didn't get towed. And my mom met, met me on the other side. And at this point, like I hadn't seen my mom in months and you know, my mom was a wreck. Like, I mean, a wreck. And she had recently went through a mental health crisis as well. Um, I'm not going to get into that because it's none of my business to be sharing. But, I mean, she's going through it. I'm going through it. And she comes in. We hadn't seen each other in forever. And, you know, what do you say to, like, your only child that was just, like, about to, like, take their life and not even tell you anything about it? Like, have no idea, like, what would have happened, like, she was a mess and totally understandable. Um, so at that point, they don't release you when that happens. Um, oh, I'm, I'm looking at a bunny right now. There's a bunny hopping around. I'm going to have to look that up if that's like a sign. <laughs> um, but at that point, they don't release you. They keep you. Um, for 72 hours, they hold you. They bake wrap you. And... What Baker acting is, if you don't know what that is, is they take you to a facility, a hospital. I went to St. Anthony's and St. Pete. And you get put into basically the loony bin. Um, when you're an adult, it's different than when you're a minor. I know some people that got held when they were a minor. Um, and it was... I had actually a lot of friends that enjoyed their time. This is way different when you are an adult and you get put in. You get put in with people that have schizophrenic or schizophrenia. You get people that got put in because they tried to murder someone and they are not mentally stable. You get put in with people that are drug addicts and they're harming themselves. You get put in with tons of people and a lot of them have 
no like no relevance to what it is that you're going through and it was in the middle of covid so you couldn't really go out there was no activities to go out i had a room they take your clothing and you have to take any rope anything that you could use to harm yourself so i had like I remember I had my flannel pants on. I still have them. And they're like my favorite pants. And I had like a rope in them to like, you know, tie. They, I I had to remove it. Um, So I had that in my tank top. And they put you in a dress gown. And then you get your clothes back in like a couple of hours after they like have taken everything out of them. So I got my clothes back. Um, It's really, really bad in there. They don't really care for you like they should. Um, I got placed on a, I I had a psychiatrist come in and ask me three questions and then they immediately diagnosed me as bipolar manic or manic bipolar disorder. Um, after asking someone three questions and it was like, do you like to drive your car fast? Do you have, um, irrational thoughts and do you get like a burst of energy? I mean, like I, it wasn't those exact questions, but it was along the lines of that. And then all of a sudden they're coming in with medication and they're trying to medicate you for something that they just diagnose you within 30 minutes. It's crazy. When in reality, usually you see like a psychiatrist and you see them a couple of times and then they write you a prescription, you know, it's not immediately like that. They can't tell what you are and diagnose you that fast. So they put me on medication and it knocked me out and I, and, and they gave me sleeping medicine because I hadn't slept. And at that point, I had been like four days since I had really gotten any sleep. Like I only had like six hours of sleep and accumulated. And so I was, I woke up in the middle of the night and I got up to go to the bathroom and there's nothing in your room. There's padding, there's, um, you know, you go into the bathroom and there's no door, it's just a big pad because you can't hurt yourself. They, they can't allow you to have anything to hurt yourself with. So there's a lot of padding. There's no furniture. It's all white walls. There's just a bed. And then there's like a cushioned door with a bathroom attached to your room. And I had a private room because it was COVID and they were trying to separate people. Um, and I was pretty sure I was the only one in for attempted suicide there was everybody else was like schizophrenic i heard people screaming in the middle of the night i heard people yelling insane things um i think i was the most sane person in the whole facility i mean i had conversations with the doctors and like the nurses and some of them came and sat and talked to me um and i mean i was like the most sane person (laughs) Um, and they, I know they realized that they ended up realizing that. Um, but anyway, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I was so drugged up on medication that I was peeing and I got up to, you know, for peeing and I couldn't hold myself. Like my legs gave out and I fell and I smacked my eye on this corner of the uh, sink. And I just remember blacking out and then I remember crawling my way into bed and then just rolling over. I I didn't even have like, I know I had hit my head so hard because I blacked out for a while. And then I ended up waking up and crawling to bed and I wasn't even really conscious when I woke up. So I know I had hit myself so hard in the face 
but I didn't have the energy to yell out to someone to tell them. So I slept, and which is super dangerous because I could have had a concussion. I, I mean, I didn't know how hard I really hit myself. I ended up face down sleeping. I remember being woken up to breakfast, saying like, "Good morning, Miss like Miss Hall, like your breakfast is here." And I didn't wake up, and they turned me over, and my eye was just they ended up bringing me a mirror to see, and my eye was just covered in blood and I had like eye, my eyelash extensions were all stuck in them. It looked like a tarantula, like I was a wreck. And they immediately freaked out. Um, They're supposed to check on you every like, every hour and they didn't. And the one guy came in and said, hey, listen, please don't tell anybody that I didn't know about this because I could get fired. Hold on. don't tell anybody I could get fired you know um please like don't say anything so I didn't say anything and then I got rushed down to get a cat scan and they gave me a cat scan my brain came back fine like I didn't have a concussion everything was okay (sighs) so I come back upstairs and they put me on a stretcher and my mom called and there's these pay phones and they have the cords around the payphones are so short because, like I said, you can't have anything that could, you know, you could injure yourself with, self-inflict harm. So the cord was super short, so I, I had to, like, lean into the, it was like a phone booth, and I had to, like, lean into it, into the payphone, and stand on my tippy toes because I'm so short. And I'm talking to my mom, and she's like, what's going on? They called me, and I was also in there, and I don't, I don't eat beef. Um... I only eat chicken and fish, and uh, they didn't respect that. Um, They kept bringing me meatloaf. They kept bringing me steak, Um, and not like steak like you think. Like it's, I mean, it's bad. Um, So I couldn't eat, and I kept telling them, I said, I I can't eat this. Like my stomach will turn. I'll get sick. I'll vomit. And they didn't respect that. I remember my dad calling and trying to like tell them, and they they all they brought me was like the Ritz Ritz crackers. And I just, I survived on Ritz crackers. And my mom called and she's like, what is going on? Like, what are they, what's going on? And I told them that they put me on medication. She's like, what did they put you on? And I couldn't tell you what the names, I still can't. And she got really upset. And I remember I was in the middle of talking to her. And then all of a sudden my vision went, I mean, like I'm standing on my tippy toes and my vision just goes. And then next thing you know, my hearing goes. And I just know that my mom's on the phone, so I couldn't hear or see anything. And I just go, Mom, I don't feel so good. I got to go. And I didn't even finish what I was saying when I was like, I have to fucking sit down. Like, I got to go. And I go to walk away, and my legs gave out, and I just collapsed face first into (laughs) the way it was set up is there's this hallway, and then there's like this there's like this room and it's like all glass and it's like where they sit, like where the staff members sit and do like paperwork. It's like the, the front office basically. And then there's the rooms on the, on the hallway. Well, I face first smacked, fell right into one of the windows where they were all working and they all rushed out. They put me on a stretcher. I had to go down and get another fucking cat scan. It was bad. At that point, it had only been like 30 hours that I was in. I was only in for like a day, 
in a couple hours and they released me. You're supposed to be in there for 72 hours, but they released me. Um, I remember when I was in bed the first day, I was reading a book. That's all I did when I was in there. I just read because uh, it's COVID. You can't go out. They didn't have the TV room set up where you can watch movies or anything. I just sat in my room and slept, catch up on sleep, really got with my thoughts, like sat with myself and took the time to like read and just like make the best of a really shitty situation. And this lady came in, she was a therapist and she saw me like three times and she brought me these worksheets cause she figured out that I was like an, uh, an extreme empath where like I take on other people's problems and emotions. And sometimes I don't know what to do with them. So I just hold on to them as they're my own, which is very unhealthy. And she brought me like like worksheets to do on boundaries and like em empath work and like journaling. And so like I, she gives me a crayon because she can't have anything sharp. So I'm taking my crayon and going through the paperwork. And then I pull out, she had accidentally given me a printed out sheet of every person that was in there and it listed what they were in for like schizophrenia what their social security was their emergency contact their address the date that they came in um what their projected timeline is to be there how long they've been there like it, i mean personal freaking information and i just remember being like i have all of these people's social security right now like they're lucky that it came to me because my memory is so shot. But like, what the fuck? And I'm looking at, you guys, I'm looking at the people that are in this place. And there is nobody that is in for suicide attempts. Everybody was like in for like schizophrenia and like really serious. I mean, mental health is very serious for suicide. But I mean, really, really, really harsh I'm the only one <laughs> for suicide attempt. <laughs> so they came back in and I had my worksheets there and I put it on the, I, I mean, I put that piece of paper right on the top and I just waited for one of them to, to realize. And somebody came in to give me lunch and they, I, they saw it and they go, where did you get this? And they got mad at me and I said, I didn't get it anywhere. I haven't even left the room. My bathroom's in my room. I haven't even left the room to go anywhere. And your therap the therapist brought me worksheets and she brought me this. Do you realize like how serious this is? Like what how did she even get a like a, like what? And they were like, Don't tell anybody about it. Like, I mean, it was just really unprofessional. It was very messy. Um Yeah, it was it was a horrible time. So I ended up getting released in like 30 hours. They didn't want to have responsibility of what they were doing to me because they had put me on the wrong med medication. I mean, the, they came in and apologized to me and said that they dosed me wrong or they diagnosed me wrong and they didn't give me any medication to take home or nothing. They like totally just basically pretended like they didn't do anything and released me. So my mom came and picked me up and yeah, I ended up going home with her and she said, you're not going back in the van by yourself. You're going to stay with me for a few weeks and we're going to find you an apartment and then you're going to get back on your fucking feet and do the boss ass bitch shit that you do. And that's exactly what I did.
she helped nurse me back to health, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, everything. I mean, she was my rock, and I love and I appreciate her for that, um, despite our differences. And, you know, I ended up getting my shit together in a couple of weeks, and I got, you know, up, I got an apartment. And fast forward to Mother's Day, um, which was like two or three weeks after that whole thing happened, my cousin flew down and she was coming over to see my apartment because I had just moved into my new apartment. I had just graduated. I had all these things going for myself. It's Mother's Day. My mom and her husband are taking the boat out, so we're all going out. And... I go to pick her up from the airport. I'm in my bikini. She's like on her bathing suit. She's changing her bathing suit. We're on our way over the Skyway because we're in St. I picked her up from Tampa and I'm taking her to my mom's in Palmetto, which is over the other side of the Skyway. So I'm, we're coming over the Skyway and it's crazy because the fence is being built like three weeks after this happens to me. And which is just so ironic. So now if nobody knows what the Skyway Bridge is, it's this huge bridge. And there's so many people that commit suicide every year that they actually built a fence to protect people from jumping. And that happened three weeks after my attempt. So we're going back, we're going over the skyway to get to my mom's and we're talking about it. And if like, she's asking me questions, like, do you ever like have any emotions when you go over it? And I said, no, like, Actually, I'm really content with it. I think it's actually a beautiful view. Um, they ended up putting like LED lights on the skyway. So at night, it's illuminated with different colors. It's just beautiful. It's one of my favorite drives. I drive over the skyway almost every day for work because I commute from St. Pete to Bradington or Sarasota or Parrish. And so we're talking. And then all of a sudden, we're going over the skyway. And we look over and there's this guy that's parked on the side at the very top where I was parked and he's outside and he's up or he's not on the ledge, but he's looking over the ledge. And Hannah goes, is, is that? And I literally pulled over and I mean, it's mother's day. There's tons of people going to Sarasota, going over to the other side to go to the beach and be with their family, their loved ones. And nobody's stopping for this guy and nobody stopped for me. <laughs> I know it was late, but nobody stopped for me. Um, so I pulled over and I said, Hannah, call, call 911. So she called 911 and I'm dry or, and I get out and I go to move towards him and he doesn't see me. So I don't want to scare him. So I come up and I go, Hey, um, what's going on? And he just didn't speak to me and he was crying. He was like, must have been in his like mid fifties, late, maybe mid late fifties, this older gentleman. And I just went up to him and I was like, what's going on, dude? Like what, what's going on? And he's just like, I don't want to be here anymore. I just want it to be dark. And those are the same things that I said when I wanted to jump. And I said, can I talk to you and tell you something um, personal? I actually was like in your exact same position like two weeks ago. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but like I was at the Skyway like two weeks ago and your exact position exactly right here at this height of the bridge and I was going to jump. And he just like looks at me. And at this point he had gotten up on the ledge 
the closer I got into him. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, listen, I don't know what you're going through right now, but if you could just hear me out, if I could just talk to you for a second and relate with you for a second, I don't know how many people you have to talk to, but I would love to just have a few minutes and moments. And if you still decide to make that move, I just want to have a moment of your time. And he just looked at me and he backed up and got off. And we sat there for a second. And then the police came up and got him. And his name was Steve. And he was, didn't say much to me. He didn't talk to me, didn't tell me what happened. He just couldn't. He, I can only assume, was going through the same kind of darkness I was. It's definitely probably not the same situation. Maybe it was. But I could see in his eyes that it was the same thing that was in my eyes that, that night that I went through that. So... He got put in the back of the cop car and I started walking away and all of a sudden I hear, excuse me? And I just turn around and I go, yes. And the cop goes, you know that you just like really like helped this man. And I said, yeah, I, I spoke with him. And he goes, is your name Heather? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, your last name Hall? And I was like, yes. And he goes, holy shit. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he kind of like got a little emotional. You know, he didn't really, I mean, I, I couldn't tell if he was crying, but his eyes were glassy. And he goes, I'm the cop that got you that night. And I'm like in my bikini, got my backwards hat on, got my dreads out. You know, like I look like the ray of sunshine that I am. And he just goes, holy cow, you're like a whole different person than when I met you. Because when he met me, I was in my pajamas, like my flannel pants, like my my hair was a mess. My eyes were swollen from crying. I hadn't had any sleep in like four days. Like I was a complete wreck when he got me. And then he sees this person that's like bubbly and happy and a ray of sunshine. And he's like, I can't believe I'm looking at the same person right now. He goes, can you do me a favor? And I said, yeah. And he goes, can you go in the back of this cop car and talk to this guy and tell him what you went through and tell him how you are now? Like, give him hope. So that's what I did. I went in the back of the cop car and I sat with this guy and I spoke with him for a good, like, 10 minutes. I told him, listen, you're going to be Baker acted and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be scary. But take this time as take this time to yourself. You don't have to answer to anybody. Like you're in there by yourself. Just be with yourself. Catch up on sleep. Read a book. Take time to think about whatever it is. And like, just know that like, you can do this. You can get through this. And I gave him my, my business card. And I said, call me literally whenever you get out and you're feeling like anything, just call me and talk to me. I've been there. I can, I, I would love to go out and get dinner with you sometime. I'll pick you up from the facility. Like, when you get released and you know he was just in such a dark place but took my card 
then I realized that he's by himself. He's an older man and he doesn't probably have any family that's going to come and meet him and his car is going to get towed. So I offered to drive his car to the other side of the skyway to the rest area to where his car won't be towed. So I did. And it was so strange to drive a stranger's car. You're looking around this car thinking, is there any signs of why he would do what he did? Like what, what made him want to do this? And the answer is no, there was absolutely no signs. There was his phone and a pair of sunglasses. And that was it. Everything else was neat. His car was clean. I mean, there was no sign of why this man was about to do what he was going to do. And there was nothing in my car either when I was going to do what I was going to do. There was no way for anybody to know. And it's scary. It's scary. I had, still to this day, I haven't heard from him ever. And I wonder about him all the time. Like, what happened? Like, why? And it just makes me reflect about myself. Um, I also realized how important it was that I went through that because if I didn't go through that, I don't know if anybody would have stopped for him because nobody else did. Even after I stopped, nobody stopped. I went through what I went through because I believe, I believe that I was supposed to be there to meet this guy, Steve, and talk to him about what I went through to help him feel comforted and he got down off the ledge <laughs> and it was just like looking at myself when I talked to him and it was a reminder of like how precious life is. It really is really precious and it's so, so fast to be taken away in a matter of seconds and like it's just a ripple effect when you, when you do that. It's a ripple effect. Um, <laughs> sorry, I know that I got really deep, but I had, I realized that I had never shared what I went through to make me make this podcast, to push me to like, want to share about what it is that I go through to like help other people to finally figure out what my purpose is. Um, I believe I have many purposes, but I believe this is a big purpose of mine is to share what I've been through so that I can comfort someone else. So I'm approaching on almost an hour and it's going to cut me off. So I'm going to just end this episode with something important. And something important is life is precious. And whether you believe in the afterlife, whether you believe in rebirth, whatever God you believe in, you only have this life that you know about for sure, for certain. So live your life and find your purpose and there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. It always does get better. I promise it does. Sometimes it life gives you trials and shit that you have to go through. But you literally have no idea what the beautiful days are without the fucking lowest of lows. You are loved by tons of people. People that you don't even know about. I love Steve and I don't even know this man. Just know that you're important. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I know this was intense. I hope you have a great rest of your day or night or whatever you're doing. And I will see you back here soon for another episode. <laughs> Bye.